I played my first show back like post pandemic on Thursday night and my girlfriend brought several of her friends, but one of her friends I'd never met before. She was like asking me like, what's your, uh, what's your canon musically, like canonically, what, uh, what do you always go back to? But not in reference to like what I listen to, but like my writing. And I was like, Oh God, I'm really bad at talking about myself in this way. <laughs> and was just kind of like clamming up and didn't know how to answer the question. And my girlfriend was just like, aren't you going to be on a podcast in like two days talking about yourself somewhat like this for an hour? And I was like, yeah, that is pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I had no idea how to answer that question. Welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. <laughs> We're in the studio here with Matt Jewett. Howdy, What's folks. On? It's good Matt, to be here, man. Young Matthew. Now we're the same age. Not as not as young as I used to be, <laughs> but as good as I ever was. Oh, shit. There you go. <laughs> Iconic words already. Yeah. Interview um, over. <laughs> uh, man, we've talked about doing an episode for a little while now. I haven't gotten in the studio in some time, as a as the listeners probably have noticed, since it's been like since April. But have you just not been putting them out at all? You just no, took a little hiatus. I did. Yeah, it was just like it's still fun, but like it was getting to the point where I felt like it was just a thing I had to do. You know what I mean? If anything ever feels like a chore, you should stop. That's like supposed to be enjoyable because like you started this because you like music and you like cartoons, right? And so like if you're, yeah, creating content should not because it's uh, you're not making a ton of money off of this, are you? Are no. you eating money on this? No. So you're breaking even. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a. It's I, it's, it's a financially balanced hobby. Yeah. Exactly. And it's which not is a money rare, thing. which is rare right. to have that. And so, like, <laughs> if the thing that's not costing you any money in your hobby starts to feel like a chore, like, You're stop like, doing it. I know. And that's just, it's tough, too, because it's like a line after walk of, like, I definitely, like, still putting stuff out. Like, I love talking to people and learning about them. But sometimes it just feels like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel genuine. Like, I'm just going through the motions. And I feel like I do care what they're saying. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just at that time... Just in general, I'm feeling like it's a chore, so I'm, like, not as invested as I should be. Kind well, of you have a whole-ass job. Yeah, that's true. You have a wife. We just went through this thing, and I feel like all of us, or at least the people that I'm surrounded with in my same age bracket, are like, well, that just happened. <laughs> like, it, it feels weird. We've kind of, like, resumed back to normalcy, and now it's looking like maybe it's not going to be as normal yeah. as we hoped it would be, and... Uh, I feel like a lot of us are not acknowledging that, like, we went through a genuinely traumatic event, and I don't throw around the word trauma all willy-nilly. Right. No, it was definitely, like, a, when when it happened, you know, um, I'm sure people are sick to death of talking about it, but, I mean, it was just one of those things where it's, like, I don't know, being self-aware to be, like, this is like some shit I would tell my grandkids about. Like, yeah, when, I was I lived through the shit in that crazy. Like, when did you get scared? Um, 
Did you, or I guess did you get scared? I feel like everybody got scared at some point. Though. I did. I mean, I was just pretty much like at the beginning, towards the beginning, since my wife is a nurse, I was really scared for that she was going to get sick. Edit, edit this if I'm speaking out of. T- is your is your wife also immunocompromised? Um, no. I okay, mean, I don't know why I thought she was. Oh no, I'm thinking of someone else's wife, okay. and they work in the medical field, oh, and gotcha. so they were. Terrified. Did you ever? Did y'all ever have it? No. No, thankfully. Um, and then, yeah, I got vaxxed pretty, pretty quick. But she because because of your wife working in the medical field, were you allowed to get vaccinated earlier than you were? I would otherwise have, been able to. I would have, and then, um, but I just like it was like a weird feeling because like, I don't know. It was like I felt like there was people that needed it more than me. I guess. Yeah, and I was I, I struggled with that so much because I had a real duality uh because in my profession i'm an i'm an essential i'm a utility worker right you're like around people and you're going yeah and i was yeah and i mean like and so i was i I struggled with like well i want everybody who's like immunocompromised and older and has like serious comorbidity issues to get it but i'm also like i have been keeping the power and the gas and working in 15 inches of snow when it's negative 20 degrees outside and so i did have a part of me that's like and not, I, I want to explain myself. I don't want to get any hot water for saying this because, again, I'm acknowledging that this was not the correct train of thought. But, like, they had, I was just like, why? And I, I was thinking short sightedly too because I wasn't thinking about the fact that they're around children all day who can't get this experimental vaccine. But I was like, why the hell are K through 12 teachers, but even more so, I was like, why are college professors getting this before me? It's like, I've been knocking on people's doors during a whole ass pandemic working more hours than I've ever worked in my life. Like, shouldn't you have maybe put those people up front? But I, I, my sister kind of had to check me on that and adjust my thought. But I think it was weird. I think I, I I just think I got like real, uh, uh, head heady about that. Like me, 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 because I was, again, I was scared. And I and I had had it by this point. I'd been I'd been knocked on my butt for two weeks with that crap. And Damn. Yeah, it was it was not fun. <laughs> I don't imagine so. Man. I would. I I mean, I was very fortunate that I had what I would surmise as a moderate case. I mean, I was sick, uh, but I was never like. You didn't have to get on a damn uh, breather thing. No, uh, I mean, but I was I was using a pulse oximeter, and I was I was worried because I don't take very good care of myself, and I've got both sides of my family coming with some heart issues, and I had some tachycardia going on. Jesus, yeah, my my heart rate was elevated. And tacky. Yeah, I was very tacky. Um, so my uh, my wife calls it that for short. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, yeah, no, that's medical slang. I just yeah. I, I I'm a no doctor, and B, <laughs> if I call myself tacky, that just has a whole another set of connotations to it. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was unfortunate. I was really glad that my mom never got it. I got it. My dad got it. But I got it taking care of my dad when he had it. Dang. But nobody nobody went to the hospital. Everybody was okay. So it wasn't too bad. But yeah, no, it was just weird. Like I when my sister checked me, that was a very weird thing because I just immediately massively just like felt the weight of how selfish I was being in my head, and I was just like, who? How did this happen? This is not normally how I operate. Well, it's like you, you kind of wrestle sometimes with this because I think 
I do think that you are a thoughtful person so that you probably dealt with it on both sides kind of like I did. But there was a point where you're like thinking about others and then it's like, I don't know, sometimes you feel bad about putting your, making yourself a priority. Like that's something I deal with. It's like I would put, I, my, like one of my things that I sometimes will do that to my detriment and I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. It's just like, dude, you only have one life to live. Like, you got to do some things for yourself once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I, I, I think I'm, I was uncomfortable with where the spirit of where I was coming from was. I, I don't think it was in a good spirited place. Yeah. And I'm, good I'm lucky. Sister oh, checked your ass. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky uh, that I have an amazingly intelligent. Uh, both intellectually and emotionally uh, sister that also we're really good at checking each other because we kind of, we can kind of tee off uh, on our lesser instincts sort of the same way, but we both view the world so differently that we're really infuriatingly good at checking each other uh, <laughs> when, when we kind of get uh, off the, off the path too much. It's, it's a good thing, but, often results in a lot of yelling <laughs> but you know i mean you know how to get to the other person especially if it's family like oh god no better than anybody i and i mean i'm a little brother to the umpteenth degree like i i if i love you i love to annoy you well yeah that's true like actively yeah. actively go after people and and like pushing i'm i'm a button pusher i love <laughs> to push buttons and it's like i derive great satisfaction from it and it's also like kind of a way that i show affection that, that i think that's i mean that's pretty common like i'm the same way like if i like you i'll make fun of you yeah if no. i don't like you i just won't talk to you yeah pretty much like like so, i'm not making fun of you because i don't like you i'm making fun of you because i like you yeah exactly no i don't I, I i mean i can be on my worst days but like i try to actively not be mean to people i don't like and the number one way i do that is to not interact with people exactly. i don't like exactly <laughs> remove yourself from the equation yeah exactly <laughs> it's 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 pretty easy to just be cordial to people if you have to interact with them exactly it's that was a skill that i had to learn because i was very big on the like if you are if you start talking some shit that i'm not into uh you know i i like 23, 24 year old me, like kind of when I started doing blue collar work, I avoided it from 18 to 23. I was like, I'll never do my father's work. My dad is 66 and that motherfucker sets commercial plate glass. Jesus. And he is convinced that he's going to do it until he's 70. He's built different is what you're saying. Uh, dude, that dude <laughs> is, wow. I, I could do a whole episode talking about my dad and what a uh, interesting and fascinating individual that he is I, I love him to death he's one of my best friends now as an adult we did not get along when i was a kid oh man <laughs> we were too I mean, much that, that we were just, just too much alike yeah and needed you know i again it goes back to being able to push buttons and right oh man if i want to i have a gene that's like what can i say that'll make this situation worse <laughs> i have i have the nuclear codes the, for every member of yeah, my family say you have the thing in the back pocket that you know is gonna yeah off every yeah time. in any given situation like i know the exact right wrong thing to say exactly. with all with my mom my sister and my dad i've got <laughs> i've got, got it in the chamber i've got the nuclear codes man yeah <laughs> <laughs> um 
Well, man, I know you've been for a while. You've been playing music as far as long as I've known you. I think, and um, not when we, we first we met. A, well, when we first met, yeah. Well, I got I got I got my first bass guitar in eighth grade. So nice. It'd be around the time. I'd say it'd be yeah, it'd be. We went to middle school together. I think we just missed each other. I was in seventh grade when you were in eighth grade. I think. Mm-hmm. You were in choir though, right? Or were you in band? I played soccer. I knew you played soccer. Yeah. Um, I wasn't in band or anything. Good old, good old co- Coach LaForce. Yeah, man. Oh, LaForce. Or LaForce. Yeah. yeah. I, Jay LaForce. That dude was awesome. Dude, what? he was just a weird cat. <laughs> yeah. from, what I, from what I could recollect. I mean, I, I know this isn't going to shock you, but uh, nobody, nobody was really on the lookout for me in gym class. Jesus. So I just remember his gait because he had screwed up his knees playing yeah. minor league soccer or like yeah. semi-pro soccer and so like his knees were always bent at like a 30 degree angle at all times i don't know that he could straighten them like yeah that's for sure just shuffling down the hallway yeah i do remember that <laughs> that's some inside baseball right there <laughs> um so i guess yeah that is kind of what i was getting at though so you get your first base in eighth grade mm-hmm. um and i'm i think i think i remember this right is this at the time when you would go listen to music, like the, at like a bookstore or something? Yeah, like- yeah. My mom, <clears throat> my mom just hit twenty years working for Barnes and Noble this year. Barnes and Noble, that's it. When and they so yeah, the- they used to have the little key stations, exactly. And then they had the rollers. They graduated to the rollers, and so you could listen to like thirty seconds of any song. <laughs> And, and our middle school happened to be like four blocks over from the Barnes and Noble right. that my mom works at. Um, and so I would get, I, I, I was not doing myself any favors, but I got picked on a lot in middle school and especially on the bus. Oh. And so I would, I got to the point where I was just like, well, I can just hoof it home. And sometimes I'd just like go in and get. I don't know some crap from the cafe, whatever that probably a Jones soda, <laughs> a freaking fruitopia, yeah, a fruitopia or something, uh, and then just go like post up in the music section and listen to like thirty second clips of because eighth grade was like <laughs> when I I found it, it like proper indie rock uh, in eighth grade. I saw an episode of Austin City Limits on uh, PBS. It's a TV show, not just a music festival, folks. Um, I didn't know that. Oh, do you not? That's cool. Yeah, it's been on the air since like the seventies. Uh, huh. Yeah, they, they film it live in Austin, Texas. They've got they've gone through a couple of different studios, uh, but like it, it was singer songwriters. Like I, I don't know if Cash has ever played it, ever played it, but like Willie Nelson played it. Some big, like, yeah, huge, names. huge country and western names. Yeah. Um, and then kind of when we were in middle school and high school, they started delving a little bit more into uh, indie rock. And so when this I was, would have been two thousand five ish for a reference. Four. 2004-ish, 5-ish. 4-3, 4-4, 4-4-4. I was in 8th grade in 2005, so yeah, you would have been in ninth grade. So 8th grade you would have yeah, been yeah, in Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but I saw an episode uh, that had Ben Queller and Spoon. Oh, yeah, nice. <clears throat> and so it would this would have been like Sha Sha era Ben Queller and uh, I think maybe Gimme Fiction era Spoon. Um, somebody who knows that band better. I like that band, but I'm not. Yeah, great. somebody's yelling at us right now. Let's yeah, th- to give you to give you a point of reference, though, the 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 real song I took away from uh, Spoon Set was the way we get by. I was like, oh shit, that's that's the jam. You're like, and it's that, that's such an interesting age. You're like, 
you kind of know what you like, but then you're really branching off and finding things that resonate you for different reasons. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I was just, I, I was all over the place at that age. Yeah. Uh, because I'm, and, and I think all kids at that age are like, I liked P.O.D. as much as I like <laughs> Kings of Leon. Hey, that era of Kings of Leon was the, the probably the, some of their best shit. Okay, we were talking about like how I like to to push buttons and irritate yeah. like one of my uh one of my best friends in the world i used to play a game with her on road trips <laughs> you told me about yeah this. i think i've told you about this before <laughs> uh with the first the first two but really leaning in heavy to youth and young manhood called out <laughs> what the fuck is caleb followwell singing yeah. right now and i still can't listen to spiral staircase <laughs> Without hearing the words uh, spiral staircase going down, I hate your cow red and round. Oh my God. Because that's what she heard. And so I would just that's force her rich. to. And, and, but I still sometimes will call her on the phone <laughs> and just queue up California Waiting because she hates that song. My God. So much. Like I'll just queue it up to the, the last hook where he gets real quiet. She's like, oh, hey, <laughs> California Waiting. <laughs> I feel like he's just, uh, he's described as singing with marbles in his mouth, which I think is beautiful. That but is it feels accurate. like he just never uh, shuts his jaw for a hard consonant at the end of a word. And I love that. But yeah, no, like I was just like in, yeah, Youth of the Nation or Molly's Chambers. Like, I did, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get it. I was talking with a friend of mine last night about how I just recently revisited Toxicity by System of a Down oh and God. what a still ripper of an a album banger. that is. I had just, uh, was just talking about that's funny we were just talking about that uh me and a friend of mine were talking about that album god it's so something good something in the air i guess it, dude it's uh oh well i saw that what brought it up for us is uh we uh saw you know the uh the white guy black guy arm meme yeah and uh it's uh, one of the arms is uh, sacred silence. The other arm is sleep, and in between them is disorder. I, did, I made that meme. <laughs> you made that meme? Yeah. You created that meme. Yeah, check it out. I, no uh, freaking way. I just tweeted it the other day because we were talking about that album. And no. so, yeah, like, I made, I couldn't get it right. I made, like, a few versions before I posted it. You made that meme? Yeah. Oh, my God. My friend Dustin is gonna love that. That's hilarious. We, yeah, we were just sitting in the story club last That's night funny. talking about how how good that album <laughs> is because of your meme. That's funny. I don't. Uh, if maybe see if it's that version. Because yeah. maybe yeah, that's else the made one. That's the one. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I, of course you made that meme. That makes so much sense. Ah <laughs> oh, man, that's great. I'm going to a show with him this evening. He's that's gonna hilarious. love that. Yeah. Hopefully it was the one I made. Hopefully someone. It was no. Like I, I bet you posted it. I did, I don't really. That's rich. I'm just on Facebook for the memes. Yeah. I and, and to talk about <laughs> baseball. Um, oh, yeah, Facebook is my is my memes and sports spot. Yeah, and for sure. So I try to not get into anything too heavy because I've got family members who are farmers from rural Oklahoma, so oh, we know how that's. So you know go. what time it is with we, them. Yeah, we know. We already know what time it is. Pour one out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's so funny. Yeah, to segue. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, no, to circle back, like yeah, no, you're just kind of like, I feel like you're taking so much stuff in, and it's such. While, like, in every other facet, you could not get me to be 14 years old again if you gave <laughs> if you gave me every dime of Jeff Bezos' money and it grew exponentially every time I fixed a problem with it, I would not be 14 years old again. But the one way in which that age is so much fun is uh, art and what you're getting into yeah. and how you're – everything just feels really, 
really just new and you're just like, you listen to some music and you're just like, oh, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. And it's so much fun. Yeah, that is great, man. That is, and that is like, I mean, that really is just a tough time, man. Like Everybody, nobody enjoyed that. Yeah, but nobody. I you're, do. Uh, you're going, you got, things are changing and just, you feel it, like everybody else knows what the hell's going on and you're the only <laughs> one who doesn't when in reality it's just like being an adult. Nobody knows what the hell true. they're doing. Well, it is just like, I mean, I'm not naive to the fact that it's probably, you know, it's most likely tougher for some people than others, but. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure. It was, it's uh, just, uh, I don't know, man. That's just like a time when you're changing, like, so I get it for sure. I think it's really good for everybody to acknowledge, though, that, like, that time sucks. Yeah. Nobody looks back and is like, you know how old I wish I could be again? 14. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's yeah. Nobody wants that, but that is so. That's that's the one bright spot of being fourteen. That was like that is such a fun time because you're just taking it all <laughs> in, and you just have no preconceived notions about anything. Like you're not thinking about whether or not like, oh, does anybody else think this band is cool? Yeah. Like, am I going to get dunked on for enjoying this? It's just like, like no, we're all I like just this Nickelback band. I wonder if people like them. Dude, I bought my sister a copy of Silver Side Up for her thirteenth birthday. <laughs> We got our little red discman. Wow. Well, um, so around that age, you you get your first bass guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, that my mom bought from a coworker at that Barnes and Noble. That's rad, man. Um, so that seems. I mean, that feels like it's like maybe the jumping off point for when you start creating. Maybe. Oh yeah, no, I started writing immediately. So what? How did that kind of inform like the way that you approach music at that age? Do you remember at all? Oh, I was just trying to ape uh, All American Rejects. <laughs> you just completely knocking it off? Oh, yeah, no, that first record, I just, <laughs> I thought it would be the coolest thing ever if I could. Like, the first uh, song I wrote, just, it sounds like if a bad pop punk band tried to write uh, any of the songs on that first All American Rejects <laughs> record. I was just obsessed, man. It was, they were the second band I ever saw live. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma Zone, too. Yeah, yeah, no. And so we were so proud. We were all so proud of that in that period of time. Just thought it was the coolest thing ever that, like, the biggest band on MTV for five minutes is from Oklahoma. Yeah, it was awesome, baby. Yeah, it was great. And, um, but yeah, no. So I, but yeah, no, I just, I just wanted to write. And I knew, I had known that I, like, wanted to write music from, like, a very young age. Like, I, I think I was probably five or six. Like, I, I fell in love with, uh, my dad played Eric Clapton all the time, and we're not going to get into negotiating how weird that is now. <laughs> that we know what we know on the internet holds yeah. everything in a time capsule. But I, you know, just innocently as like a five-year-old kid, my dad had this uh, Crossroads CD box set of Clapton. And like the first song I ever fall, fell in love with was Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. Like I just thought that like that riff was so cool. And then that outro with the piano was like a five-year-old kid. And I was sold. I was like, no, this is what I want to do. Yeah, that riff is definitely, that shit fucks for sure. It's a, it's a riff uh, suiting for stealing your friend's wife. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Steal Your Girl, Eric Clapton was the original. Yeah, it's sandals <laughs> and a fucking Telecaster. <laughs> of oh, course man. he's friends with John Mayer. With the glasses. <laughs> Yeah, but no, no. So no, I knew I knew from super early on that like no, this music thing is where it's at. 
uh, but my parents made me take piano lessons and I was oh. not too cool with that because I thought the only cool piece of piano music ever written was the outro to Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. <laughs> Everything ties back to that. Yeah, the two the two long <laughs> guitar. No, it was my favorite song forever. That's awesome. Forever. Man. I just, I thought that song was just the coolest thing. <laughs> I just, I loved it. I had this toy guitar and I would just be prancing around the living room, just jamming. Like, how the hell my dad doesn't turn off Layla anytime it comes on is beyond me. Cause I mean, I punished them with that song. <laughs> it was just repeat, repeat, repeat. The only song I want to hear is Layla. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, you just like latch on to things like that, you know. What I, I mean? do. And you may not know at that time even what it is you like about it. You just know that you like it. No, and that's it. Gets back to what I'm saying. Like that's that's such, uh, you know, being a kid, you just have such fresh ears, and for whatever reason, you relate to something, and it's so awesome. And that was that was my, but yeah, no, that was the first song I fell in love with was Layla wow. by Derek and the Dominoes. Um, as uncool as that answer is, <laughs> listen. It's I don't real. care though. I, I mean, it's I, a real answer, so it's cool to me. I love Dave Matthews Band. I'm not concerned about uh, my <laughs> credibility. You're not worried about your optics here, are you? No, I, I mean, no, not not at all. <laughs> I, I I gave up any uh, illusions of being cool uh, several years ago. You I, saying you're through being cool? Um, <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> I, I I think that you have to. Uh, actually have ever been cool to be through being cool <laughs> and uh you know i'm a good hang sometimes but i am decidedly a, a massive dork <laughs> um yeah i've never been cool <laughs> it's just not in the cards for me shit it's it, i i feel like i feel like the people who are really cool and maybe this is again going back to like that 14 year old thing of like you you think that everybody else has it figured out but i feel like people who are cool um, are just there? It's effortless for yeah, them. They're not, they're and, not putting anything on. And when I had uh, delusions of grandeur, uh, that I was cool and uh, thought that I was being super cool, I was trying real hard, <laughs> and I just got sick of trying. When Kanye, Kanye said, "When you try hard, it's when you die hard." Yeah, no, I mean so. Kanye is just Kanye. Got to remember that. <sighs> I'm, you know, therapy is how we work on loving ourselves. Like Kanye loves Kanye. <laughs> Just trying to get to that point. And it's helped. It's helped. That helps anybody. I think it's, I don't know. I feel like these days it's getting to be where it's more common. So then it's not like as much as like a, oh, my God, let's uh, keep the thing that we're in therapy from the family because it's going to be embarrassing. You know, Unless I mean? you're talking about your family. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I feel I like there. I feel like there were a lot of awkward situations uh, through COVID with uh, how many people were doing telehealth therapy, and how many people like probably moved back in with parents and things like that. And, yeah. Like just like anybody who's been to therapy knows that like you just periodically randomly your parents come up. Yeah. And it's that is just crunchy. like yeah, and so you're just like God. What if mom and dad hear me talking about mom and dad to my therapist? <laughs> like I don't want them to hear them me talking to my therapist about that. I know. I had a. I it's had nothing a, against you personally. It's just you know. We're just getting through this thing. Yeah, mom and dad, if you ever listen to this, uh, you know, I met your parents. Uh, it's remarkable that you guys <laughs> turned out as well as you did. I uh, I had a at home appointment um, during the like the, like like a like a house visit or like uh, no, it's a tele. Okay, yeah, tell. Okay, so I was I, like I was like, was your therapist just coming over and chilling <laughs> on the back porch, <laughs> yeah, six feet apart, cracked, so your neighbors can hear? We cracked a cold one and talked about my childhood. 
I feel like therapy with beer would be better. <laughs> I also feel like my therapist would be like, Matt, no, you are not. No, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, I had one at home and uh, I very much was feeling like that because sometimes my wife comes up and she's like in the other room at an earshot. I'm like ch- closing my door and like put stuff in the towel under the door. <laughs> I'm like, Hopefully she didn't hear but sometimes Speaking she, of being 14. Sometimes she gets on my nerves. <laughs> no way. No way. You mean the people that you love the most in this world can sometimes drive you the most nuts and you're striving to look, you're striving to find ways to like deal with that in healthy and productive manners because they love because you love them so much? That would never happen. What? Not to me anyway. Snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Damn, yeah, that was a tangent. <laughs> That's okay. That's what this is what this is all about. I'm I'm a big tangent person. Anybody who's had a conversation with me ever <laughs> knows that. It, it takes me I have to I have to hit all the spokes on a bicycle wheel to get back to the center where the bolt is to get back to where we were at. The true center. Yeah, yeah. Um backstory. That's that's a that's a word that often comes out of my mouth anytime <laughs> I'm telling a story. Um do you remember the first time you were trying to write music, like that first song, like the first riff? Yeah, I. Uh, well, like I said, I played piano, um, and not well. I didn't really learn. I had no desire to practice, and at a certain point, I think my teacher was just kind of like, he doesn't want to fucking learn how to play this thing. <laughs> Stop bringing him to me. He's not enjoying it. I'm not enjoying it. You're spending quite a bit of money on it. Billy Joel, he is not. Uh, no, nah, man, I had I had not discovered how cool Elton John, Billy Joel, and uh, Ben Folds were at this point. And that was probably 11 when I stopped taking guitar lessons. But around that same age, uh, the music teacher at my elementary school, I think this was in between 5th and 6th grade, um, decided that uh, she was going to offer a songwriting workshop for like a week or two. Uh, and I can't remember if it was a class thing or if it was like a private lesson thing. Bennett wrote this whole ass song with her. Like she helped me do it. Wow. On like uh whatever electric piano that she was working with that the school gave her and she could kind of dub on that thing. Um and yeah, we just used like a little four four track uh cassette thing and laid down like a thump thump like very basic thump thump thing. But yeah, no, like she helped me write lyrics and find the melody. And it was, I mean, it's what you would expect an 11 year old writing a song to be. It's <laughs> objectively not good. Like writing about you who's no, I was writing about something I knew, you know, they say, write what you know. I was not writing what you know. I was writing about confronting this other guy about being, uh, seeing him with my girl at Whoa. the mall. Think and twice I, before you touch my girl, I was said. not, and this would have been pre that <laughs> I, this would have still been a heart in a blender era. Eve six. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, two things I knew nothing about, going to the mall by myself or um, girls. Right. <laughs> I think one could still <laughs> argue I know very little about women. Um, but, yeah, no, but it was fun, and it kind of, like, put that put that bug in my head. It started um, the fire a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, like, oh, okay, okay. And I, I think I even was not, like, super thrilled with the song. I think I was already, like, my own worst critic. <laughs> Like, this isn't the kind of music I want to play. Already dunking on yourself. Yeah, as as all songwriters do. Um, but yeah, no, so we, yeah, we did that and 
like you said, then I really wanted a guitar, but my mom was just somehow convinced uh, that I would not learn how to play a six string guitar. I don't know where she was. I mean, granted, I was a child that had not shown an exceptional amount of follow through with anything. But she was like, maybe you'll do better at bass. And so, like, bought me a bass. I never learned how to actually play bass. Like, I don't know how to lock in with a kick and a snare. <laughs> um, that eludes me. I don't have a whole lot of, like, rhythm. Uh, so, me being in your rhythm section is a bad idea. They, uh, uh, I think it was the Foo Fighters that um, they were making fun of their bass and uh, original drummer. They call them the rhythmless section. Yeah, 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 yeah. The guys from uh, uh, Sunny Day. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then they kicked him out of the band, and Dave re-recorded all of his parts. That and then was fucked up. Called Taylor Hawkins to yeah. ask him Teeth McGee who he who who he should be auditioning. He's like me. He's like you're the drummer for Alanis Morris set <laughs> when she was like the biggest thing in the yeah. world. Uh, but yeah, no, so like, I never learned how, no, I always, I wanted to write on it, and so then I had a friend, uh, and she had gotten, like, this crappy little Squire acoustic, um, <clears throat> and so I was, like, trying to write on bass, and just couldn't, I mean, I could, but I just knew that, like, it just wasn't like a guitar, yeah, yeah, and so I, uh, you're like, this would be a lot cooler if there was a couple more strings on here, does that thing have six strings on it? It'd be a lot cooler if it did. I was just thinking that. <laughs> um, but not a six-string bass. He's like, you gotta get those, gotta get those numbers up. Those are real gotta numbers. Get those numbers up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I no, and so I just like forced myself to learn how to play acoustic guitar, and I fought for it. I don't have particularly good fine motor skills. Uh, still still to this day. Like, I didn't learn how to tie my shoes, I don't think, until I was, like, damn near in sixth grade. Um, and so, no, like, I struggled through, and, like, bar chords were hard for me into my 20s. Jeez. Like, no, when I st when when Baylor and I started Shut Up, Matt Jewett, I was still, like, not killing it every time. Like, I tried to play, like, a B minor and bar it. <laughs> and I was, like, 22 years old. But I just wanted it so badly. <clears throat> and so, yeah, no, so I just fought and, like, learned how to play the guitar and started... Just aping. I just aped stuff I liked all the way through high school even. Like, I wanted to be Ben Queller so badly. <laughs> and then, like, a little bit later in high school, like, I still wanted to be Ben Queller, but I also wanted to be, like, Nate Ruiz, but, but, but like, through Sam Means. Well, uh, um, Iron and Wine type shit. Yeah, and, like, the Death Cab stuff. But I also wanted to be and Say Anything terribly. Oh, um, yeah, we've talked... Yeah, I, I was just, about <clears throat> yeah, I was just all over the place still. Yeah. I mean, I'm still all over the place. Like, I'll go from listening to some, like, ignorant hip-hop to, like, <laughs> ignorant rap music uh, <laughs> to, uh, like, listening to Rocky Vadalato. <laughs> like, in, like, within the span of, like, 15 minutes. I think that's kind of a, I don't know, it's pretty, I feel like that's got a lot comp more common Especially with like our generation, mm -hmm. I agree. We were uh, all people, just like we're all eclectic. I think it's because there was a point in time uh, I was uh, where uh, we were watching MTV, and like it was a Britney Spears video, followed by a Limp oh, Biscuit yeah. video, TRL. followed by a Backstreet Boys video, followed by a Blink One Eighty Two yeah. video, An followed M &M. by a TLC video. Yeah. 
uh, followed by an Eminem video. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and so I think because like that is so many people our age, that is like what they think of when they think about not Layla, but like the first song that they really liked. Um, that was like their music, not right. their parents' music. Branching out and finding your own shit. Yeah, and so I think there were so many kids who in elementary school were like watching TRL, and that's how they were. And so we just got used to it because we lived in this really strange time where like in the late 90s, early 2000s, Top 40 radio was so eclectic. Yeah. And that was like the death rattle of the way music was always marketed. Uh, up until then but yeah they, you know it was just this point of excess where they were just spending so much money on everything and so th that's what we were ingesting it's like i know the words to genie in a bottle by christina aguilera <laughs> just as well as i know the words to fat lip by some 41 and those two videos probably at some point on trl played directly back to back yeah 100 percent. yeah and so i think that's a huge reason why like people of i'd say five Five to seven years older than you and I, down to like two years younger than you and I, we're on the lower end of that bracket. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say like 34, probably like the optimal like age cut off. for that ADD. No, I think it's like the dead center. I think oh, like you maybe. Think so? Yeah, what would you. Uh, you're 30, 31? I'm 30. Okay, yeah, so I'm 31. So yeah, I think 34 is the dead center and probably 38 is the cutoff and then like 28. I could see that. It's like eight to eighteen at that point. The you met my my friend Luke earlier. He's thirty eight, and we definitely have a lot of crossover of stuff. That is knows. Ryan thirty eight? No, Ryan's thirty three, thirty four. He's only a few years older than us. Man, I you could have told me that. No, I'm oh kidding. my god! <laughs> Flipped it on him. Hit him with that Uno reverse. Fli yeah, Uno reverse card <laughs> a year and a half later. <laughs> um, wow, you really long gamed him on that. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, uh, yeah, no, I think that's a huge part of that reason though. No, I think, yeah, I think they were the tastemakers of a generation, whether they knew it or not. Oh, absolutely. It was the American bandstand of our time. For sure. Yeah. It was, it, and you know, Carson Daly. <laughs> a, com a social chameleon. How weird is that? That dude. How did he get that job? That's so funny. Uh, he got that job because who did he know? Oh, he knew someone. Um, Sugar Ray, Mark McGrath. Mm-hmm. Sugar Ray, I think, I think played some role in him getting on TRL. What the hell? Uh, yeah, no, because they were like a SoCal like skate punk band. Yeah, they were like completely different style yeah and then they as. did that record uh, all around the world statues crumble for me yeah fly fly yeah that's right um, and it was like the last song on that album but the album was like a punk album yeah yeah but the but they got that song on top 40 radio and yeah. so then yeah he i think he was like a hang around or a roadie or something he was friends with those dudes though huh. and i think he had been like trying to act or play music or something like that and break yeah. in yeah, and so he he broke into the entertainment industry by being really good looking and being the host of TRL. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Somebody had to do it. Why not him? He was good at it. And he had the name. Like, they always had, like, interesting names. At, yeah. Um, like, Carson uh, Daly. Like, that sounds that sounds like a, a some some kid's name in a Spider-Man comic. Yeah, like, some like suave, cool kid. Best friend or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like if Peter Parker hadn't been a nerd, his name would have been Carson Daly. <laughs> um, 
Um, yeah, no. So that's yeah. That time in a, I mean, it's just a time capsule, you know. Yeah, but no. So I was just I was just knocking off stuff, and in, in high school, I played in a, a really awful, god awful, uh, could not figure out what kind of band and we were indie rock band called the <laughs> Denims. Wow. Mm-hmm. What high school did you go to? PC West. Oh, that's cool. But all my other bandmates were uh, from Edmund Memorial. Oh, say, that's where I went. Oh, yeah. You don't know either of them. Oh, no. Probably not. No, we've talked about it. Oh, yeah. Because I'm, yeah, friend- I'm, I'm still really good friends with one of them. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, that was the next, that segues pretty good. And the next thing I wanted to ask, do you remember the first song that you wrote that you thought, man, this is actually not bad? Um... Hmm. That's a good question. Um yeah, pro I mean, the I thought was good. Yeah, in retrospect, I really 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 ripped off uh on your porch by the format with it. Uh but it's a yeah, yeah, I wrote it I my senior year of high school, I think is the first time I wrote a song that was like, "Oh man, that's good." But it also it also took me a long time to like get confident that I knew how to write a song. Like you're always second guessing it type of thing. Yeah, or it just because I'm self taught and I don't know music theory. I don't I don't really know how a song works. Like on structure. a like cellular level, yeah. or not? But I mean, not really. But that's the best way I can describe <laughs> yeah. it. But like, I don't know my circle of fifths. I I'm a music school dropout who did not learn a lot. Um, And so, you know, like half the time, like, I know what the root note of a chord that I'm playing is. Like, I can get by enough to be like, yo, it's in this key. It's, this is the root chord of what I'm playing. But the voicing of it half the time, fuck. If I'm not playing a power chord or a cowboy chord, I don't know what the fuck you call that (laughs) chord. Um, But, yeah, no, I, I, I was probably, I probably wasn't until I was, like, 23 that I realized like oh hey you're pretty good at this and and that was a lot of like people gassing me up and being like no dude you are like so good and I mean I still now even question I'm just <laughs> like it's, is any of this any good am I good at this I think and then there are other days that I'm like yeah I'm really fucking good at this yeah I mean that's what I was gonna say it's like you know pick a day and I'll tell you how I'm feeling. Like you feel different. Yeah, it's like how you look at. It's like how body dysmorphia works when you look in the mirror. Like some yeah. days you're like, "Damn, I look good," and other days you were <laughs> like, "I am a dumpster, <laughs> a human dumpster." I am a I am a dumpster encased in skin. <laughs> I think that's just natural, man. But I no, think I think that's it. Goes back to the reoccurring theme here is everybody feels that way. Yeah. Um. I do remember, I think I texted you, or no, it was, we hadn't reconnected. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but we reconnected through James Nim. Yes, I do remember you, Do this. you remember that? Yeah. You had a show that night. I wasn't able to make it, but you were like, hey, come to the show. And I was like, oh, dang it, I can't. Yeah. But uh, you had a show at the Blue, uh, the Blue Note. Yeah. And you're like, come through, man, because you, I think you like semi-remembered me from middle school, or I had mentioned that I... Yeah, no, it clicked. No, your face. Yeah, your face clicked immediately. I I can be kind of an asshole where I don't always remember people's people's names. Yeah, and it terrifies me. And then I like have to be an asshole, and I'm terrified to just own it. I need to be better about those. (laughs) Just owning like, 
hey, I'm really bad with names, but I'm really good with faces. I know I know you, but I, I can't. The name is not coming to me, and it has nothing to do with how much I value you. I just forget names. You tell them that spiel every time. I was the worst after-school <laughs> teacher ever. You're like it was like it, like I, I I for several years worked with a pre-K and kindergartners at Cassidy in an after-school setting, and I it would be till April till I'd remember those kids' names. <laughs> Which kid was that that did that? Uh, yeah. the red shirt right there. Yeah, like I've I I, I can tell you the names of. Two two kids, two kids that Jeez. I had, and it was because they made quite the impression on oh, me. Oh man, they stuck, did something to stick out. Yeah, um, I think I did talk. Him, or if I told you then, or we had reconnected at that point. Mm -hmm. But I told you that you wrote a song called "Atomic Girl" that I really liked, and it's probably one of my favorite songs that you've written. Other than, um, uh, there's one on the album you put out that was uh, recorded at Speakeasy. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, there are a ton of them. Uh, well, I was saying one <laughs> no, of them. No, I'm I, just uh, giving you a hard time. One most, out of ten ain't bad. Um, oh, man, what is the name of that one? What song is it? Um, if you give nothing me Nothing at all. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah I yeah. fucking love that song. Well, I appreciate that very much. Like, it's a sad song. Uh, it's you, There's a thing you say, it's like, uh, how can I expect you to love me when I don't love myself? Yep. That shit made me damn near cry the first time I listened to it. I was like, God damn. And I think that's the mark of a good song whenever it makes you feel something. And when it helps you put something in words you've never really been able to articulate. You know, when oh, someone yeah, says something, you're like, holy fuck. Oh, yeah, or just like, oh shit, I'm really glad that somebody else feels that way. I'm really yes. glad that I'm not alone. Exactly. Mm -hmm. There have been so many songs that have done that for me where somebody's either articulated a feeling that I couldn't uh put to words um or just let me know that like somebody somebody else is dealing with this and that that if you don't lean into it too hard uh can be really good to and cathartic um yeah well i really appreciate yeah. you saying that <laughs> man i freaking love that song for sorry sure. i'm i'm awful at taking compliments no, okay. <laughs> dude i feel you the same way i'm the same way but yeah, no, I, I I do like that song a lot. As far as the uh, stuff I've written, it's it's up there as one of my favorites. But yeah, do you remember Atom Atomic Girl at all? Like writing it? Yeah, where yeah, like, well, I, when I said that, it looked like you were like thinking, so I didn't know if. You no, no, I actually, I actually uh, had to play it the other night. Oh really? Mm -hmm. Oh, at that shit, the one on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I. Uh, dude, that was bumpy. You ki you killed me on like I think it was on your stories or something. You're like I didn't remember a goddamn word any of my shit. I was yeah I was forgetting words left <laughs> and right. It was it was a bumpy show, but I a friend of mine said something really funny to me last night about it. He goes, "You are only he's like you are I can't remember exactly how he put it, but he's like you are." He didn't tell me I was lucky, but he was like, "Only you with the how good of songs you write could play a show that bad, and it would still be good." <laughs> And like I was just so frustrated. No, it was like a full-fledged compliment because like, it was not unbeknownst to me. Like I was like, man, that is, that's bar none the, from a technical standpoint, uh, that was bar none the worst show I've ever played. Where the issue was, I didn't get too drunk before I played. Man, mm -hmm. in my in my own personal opinion, shit. But I mean, there's a reason for that. I was playing ninety percent uh, songs that I've never played in front of people before. Um, and it's been 18 months since I've done the damn yeah. thing. And it's been 
20 months since I played a Matt Jewett show. It's like the last show I played for Pandemic was a was a Shut Up Matt Jewett reunion show. Um, and so I don't think I'd played a, a solo me show since uh, New Year's Eve of 2019 and 2020. Shit. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Nothing humbles you more than getting back into something and being like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it's hard. Um, playing playing live music is not not always easy. And I, I think I underestimated it. I I have just started a new job and I've been a little bit overwhelmed at my new job and I yeah. wasn't as well rehearsed as I probably should have been. And um, it it showed that shit happens, though, man, man, I, I just I think I think. Kind of towards uh, the end of the before times, because I had taken that break after Shut Up, Matt Jewett broke up. Uh, and so, but I'd gotten back into it enough to where it was kind of second nature. Like it used to be, and especially like when Shut Up, Matt Jewett was rolling, like we could just go practice, like no a, practice, didn't matter. Like we just, we, we knew how to do it. And then, and so I think I kind of had it in my head of like, oh, okay, I'll be fine. But I did even have like this overarching fear going into it. I was like, dude, I don't think you're ready. Oh. I don't think you're ready. I got really lucky and uh, got my point across somehow. Because um, several people were like, yeah, no, not your best in uh, the sense of like a technical show, but that was fun. And the new stuff, I think, was bafflingly different for people. It is, it is not the... Uh, same stuff I was writing before. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, you just, I, I don't think uh, writing your uh, your diary at 31 is as engaging as it is at 22. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've already kind of gone past the stuff that anybody would find at interesting. That time, yeah. yeah. Or just, like, yeah, just a 31 year old. I mean, it depends on what you're going through. Yeah. But it's it like, you know, I've, I've written about being drunk and not liking myself enough. I'm drunk less than I used to be, and I like myself more than I used to. So that's kind of out of the. They're related. <laughs> yeah, there's, if, there's if a... you're gonna do it, yeah. If I'm gonna do it anymore, I've got to do it through like the tinge of religion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of songs, um, one question I like to ask musicians is, um, what's a song? that you heard or that you love that you're like man if i had, if only i had written that there's so many of them <laughs> i love asking that question i get the craziest answers man the song if i could have written any song of all time i'm taking too long here <laughs> that's a lot of dead air that's all right Sorry, the wheel, you guys can't see it, but the wheels are turning. Wheel in the sky keeps on turning. That's the one. That's, that's the one, the one I would have written. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, kind of a banger song. Yeah, low key. Dude, that organ solo. Low key banger. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that thing just like flips the fuck out. No, I would never want to play in anything that complex. Man, if I could have written no. one. Prog rock type shit. Yeah, if I could have written one song ever. Man, that's so hard. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you have to pick one. There's so many songs I wish I had written. <laughs> well, you can do a couple if you want. You know, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna come out of left field here. Gone by Ben Folds. 
I didn't know you. I didn't realize you like Ben Folds. I am so a massive Ben Folds fan. That's very. I, the I most, learned something about you tonight. The most money I've ever spent on a concert ticket was to see Ben Folds. Wow, where was he at? Uh, the Civic Center with the orchestra. I thought it was that. I was gonna ask if it was that one. Yeah, my sister is also a really big Ben Folds fan, and so in two thousand one, or not, I, I always do this. Two thousand eleven. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I always call the the the. 10 teen number the aughts number yeah it's i don't know why i wasn't doing anything fun in it 2001 feel, well, probably because it doesn't feel like it's as long ago as it was yeah 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 uh but yeah no 2011 for her birthday i bought her uh i bought us fifth row orchestra pit tickets at the civic center sick uh to see ben folds and it was great because like he stayed for an hour after uh after he played. After, after he had to let the orchestra go because of the uh, union rules oh yeah just played by himself you know he plays so long yeah, he played for like two and a half hours, and it it didn't feel like it. Wow. Yeah, he didn't feel like he was Springsteen in it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, you'll be up there for a minute if you're going to see Springsteen for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Gone. It's such a great song. It's really simple. Um, I love that time signature. I'm never certain, again, me being a terrible musician, uh, Blake, if Blake Fisher ever listens to this episode, I know that he likes 6-4, and I think it is in 6-4, but he can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I love that time signature as well. That bup, 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 Yeah, I love that time signature. And yeah. it's just got a nice bounce to it, uh, but it's kind of like I love songs that have this, other than the bridge of that song, it's, it's major key, it's kind of banging, you're kind of bobbing your head, but the lyrics are so sad. I was just talking about this. I love that. Like songs that they sound so peppy, and then you like read the lyrics, and you're like, what the fuck? Oh, no, it's like how sweetness is about being an alcoholic. Yeah. Jimmy World, man. Peak Jimmy World. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody, everybody's just nodding their heads and clapping their hands, and the whole world's going to hell in that song. Little sweet and simple nummy me, yeah. Yeah, he's talking about. Is he talking about drinking a uh, a club special? I'm like, bro, is that what he's doing? Is is that a club special? I'm no bartender. A sweet, uh, sweet and simple, like I simple syrup. Yeah, I don't know. And so I'm saying, isn't there simple syrup in a club special? I think so. And it's sugar rimmed, which is the sweet. So I always thought that was always my interpretation numbing of that lyric. Too, yeah, numbing. No, because it's alcohol. Yeah. 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 But yeah, no. So I love that. Yeah. Damn it, why didn't I just answer him when when my girlfriend's friend was asking me what the canon of oh, musicians ben that Fultz. I listen to? Man. Next, yeah, time, next time you see your television. Some Jay was very heavily informed by Ben Folds. I would say you could say, other than like me, Ape, and Max Bemis' vocal style early on in that band, like a lot of Ben Folds influence in that band. Like they're writing about really heavy shit, but also saying like funny, absurd shit. <laughs> like lyrically, very informed by Ben Folds. I mean, the guys, I don't throw the word genius around a lot, but when it comes to music, the dude's brilliant. Oh, he's a musical genius. Like, you just hear him talk about it. Another like, music he's the opposite of me. I know nothing about music theory, and he's the exact opposite of he's, me. No, I mean, he uh, he dropped out of Florida State. I think it was Florida State. He was a percussionist. Um, and I get he did something stupid and broke his wrist and uh, failed his, uh, oh, shit, what do they call those? I can't remember. It's uh, Oh, like your... It's a performance you that you do yeah. at the end of the semester, but I can't yeah. remember what they're called because I didn't give a fuck about them when I was like in music. A recital, but something. No, it's something it's like it's a. Uh, damn it, I, I'm not gonna find the word. It's fine. That's okay. Um, but yeah, no. So it's and so he like threw his drums in the pond on campus. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And just yeah, dropped out of school because he, yeah. 
That is insane. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. that I'm I'm funny, such though, a nerd. I I've like pre YouTube being like really prevalent. Like I would sit at the desktop at my parents' computer and like pre like really Wikipedia being of any use to you. I mean, it still is the big book of things that may be true, but um, <laughs> it should be their tagline. <laughs> It might there, there be was, true. There was a there was a sign in the uh, journalism room in my high school, um, that uh, the teacher had put up Wikipedia the bit cite your sources Wikipedia the big book of things that might be true. That's funny. Teaching it to her journalism students. That's why and you I've gotta always, go to Wikipedia, but then you use Wikipedia's reference. Yeah, yeah, you've gotta cite. Yeah, you've gotta verify their sources. That's so big brain moves. Yeah, but uh, no. So I would just like I would just read interviews and stuff all the time like i would just sit there at my parents desktop when i was in high school and just read music interviews the getting into the like the the small things about music is always something that i um would like do with like my friend group and they'd be like why would anyone possibly care about that like, yeah i want to yeah no but i want to know those things i don't i don't want to read the interview or watch the interview where it's like so how's tour treating you yeah. uh what's the process the lowest hanging fruit shit um what it's how'd so you like, come up with the band name yeah um what um so like where were you guys at as a band uh while you were making this album like i don't give a fuck about that i do want to <laughs> hear about the time that the guy in milwaukee showed up with a prosthetic leg and like threw it on stage like those are the stories that I want, yeah. and like to ask you to sign it after the show when he for came sure. back to reclaim it. Like those, that's the stuff that that's I want to hear. Actually. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's the stuff that I want to hear. I want to hear the quirky things, the happy accidents, the really intentional choices. I don't, yeah, I don't want to hear the every music interviewer questions. I, uh, man, I don't, um, I don't want to turn this into like a Jimmy World sub episode but <laughs> i was watching some interviews with jim atkins and they were talking about uh i think it was about bleed american and uh <laughs> they showed this compilation of them on tour and fans asking him about the the demo of sweetness oh yeah I've, 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 yeah i've read this interview yeah. i was like fuck that's gonna be so frustrating but it was like a super cut of like fans people, asking him about it fans every oh time. my god that's so awesome the demo so sweetness awesome. like. yeah well it's because <laughs> that got leaked pretty hard yeah and yeah also that version's not better than the than the one that's on the album that's my take no i, I, I here's the deal i love demos it's, um, but it's a demo. i think they're fun and yeah exactly no that that would sweetness would not have been the top 40 hit that it was if it was that demo i'm saying that demo feels more like clarity though um someone said that I th maybe that was you we talked about this before no i think maybe i think maybe uh one of, do you listen to the to blake's podcast finding emo yes. i think when they were doing that oh, album one of them said it. that okay yeah yeah shout out to uh finding emo if you guys like emo music check that podcast out blake fisher i love that show kyle simmons and chris monier yeah sure people people i spent a lot of time standing in small rooms staring at and admiring and wanting to be when i was in high school <laughs> wow yeah huge you huge went to pcus though right yeah but i didn't grow up in that school obviously right you know this yeah no the first day i showed up the only person i knew at that school was my sister oh right on yeah so i no i uh i actually found out about minutes too far directly before going to west oh Mm -hmm. that's cool yeah and, and just got obsessed with that band and then was real freaked out when blake fisher was my substitute teacher whoa 
Yeah, he like he subbed in that building like all the fucking time for like my first two years of high school. Huh, that's cool. Yeah, because I'm mean, MTF was touring a lot, and so like he didn't he couldn't have a real job and be doing what they were doing. We doing yeah. okay on time. What we doing okay on time? Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, no, and then I just like I th- I love I love like real easy one three five poppy pop punk music, and so like Slides was just super fun. They had some kind of like new wavy synthy stuff that was real fun. Like, and I think Kyle's just uh, still to this day, uh, just an amazing songwriter and nothing is more fun than watching Chris Monier freak out while he plays drums. Blake <laughs> has great stage presence. I loved both of those bands so much. Um, yeah, me, me and my friend Ryan, I, I don't know what her married last name is, um, but she, but yeah, no, we were like, uh, Sly's alter ego, like super fans, super fans. <laughs> I saw them in eighth grade when we got dragged to a safe. That's how I found them as we got dragged to a safe school summit at oh, the Cox really? Convention Center. And they played it? And they were playing it. And then they were like slinging their merch. And I just was losing my shit. You're like, these guys are awesome. Yeah, it was like, I, I think it was like right when they had won that. Uh, oh, the Battle of the Bands? Thing on 94.7 The Buzz. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think they. I think that's how they got hooked up got that with gig. that gig. Yeah, that's rad. I'm sure it paid well. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> playing to playing to a bunch of middle school kids um, oh. on some uh, on something that happened per somebody writing a grant. I'm sure they got paid great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'd like Kyle to verify that for me at some point if he ever listens to this. Let me get that check stub. Yeah do you, do you have bank statements from that? Time? <laughs> do you have bank statements from receipts. 2004? <laughs> I need to see I need to see uh, SAE's uh, tax records. Yeah. But yeah, no, I that was a good time. I uh, I I like asking people this. Um and I don't know if you might you you may not know the answer right away or something may come to you right away. It just depends. It's always 50/50, but um what's something that people think about you that's just that's they get it wrong? Oh man, I don't know because I don't. I don't think I really have a good gauge on what people think of me. I think it goes again, like people who don't know me or people who do know me. Like it's maybe someone that doesn't know you, but they heard something about you that's just like not how you are. I don't know that I'm qualified to answer that question. <laughs> and it, and it, it's it's not from some sort of like I think I'm above it all. Um, I think that I can't let my brain go to that place because uh, I'm a really self-conscious person. Maybe that's it. I I wonder if people think that like I'm not self-conscious at all. Maybe that's it. I definitely. That's true. I'm very is very. That, I'm a very self-conscious human wow. being. See, that is surprising to me outside looking in because I don't know. Like you're, you just seem one hundred percent confident every time I've seen you play. So yeah, I'm, on stage, so I, like, I can definitely shut all that off when I'm on yeah. stage. Or even when we talk or anything. Like, I've never... I'm really comfortable around <laughs> you. Um, I feel like even though, like, you and I weren't, like, super tight in middle school, I feel like once we started hanging around and just realized, like, the commonality of things we were into, it was, like, quick. I wish you and I were better friends. I wish I spent more time with you. Um, but, uh... No, I, yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really, uh self-conscious and internally uh very socially awkward and i wonder i wonder how many people know like 
I, I have a tendency to like shoot off my mouth and say outlandish things. And I wonder if people know that like the more frequent and more outlandish the thing coming out of my mouth, that is uh, directly, I don't know if I'm pulling the curtain back too far on myself. Uh, that is a direct correlation to how nervous I'm feeling and how socially anxious I'm feeling. Gotcha. You're it is. And it's one of my it. least favorite things about myself. You're trying to like just like, confront it and get through it type of thing. Like just inject it so you won't be called out for feeling. I think or that I'm. I think that I am subconsciously maybe trying to uh, weed people out. And like, if you're not gonna like me, let's just make you not like me now. Uh, let's like nip it in the bud. Don't don't let me entertain any idea that like I'm gonna like you or you're gonna like me as a person. Uh, let me try and ruin this. And if I don't ruin this by behaving this way, maybe you and I can be friends. <laughs> you're like vetting people. Yeah, almost. I think, I think, but I think like reverse engineering that. Like, let's, let's make me, let's make you not like me so that I don't have to be scared that I decide I like you and then you reject me. I do not deal well with rejection. That is, I mean, I feel it's, I feel it's pretty common, but I think like I'm worse at it than many a person. I feel you. Yeah, definite need for affirmation. Uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, no, yeah, I'm very self-conscious and very internally socially awkward. And see, I was, that's just, I love, I love that question because it's not like a gotcha or I, no, like not I'm at all, to like not at deep, all. but I love learning about people. Like I wouldn't, I would have never thought that mm-hmm. just from like knowing you, like, so that's, it's a. Uh, I don't know. That's like getting to know people, like getting to know the actual person, you know? Yeah. No, I'd heard you ask people that question before. Yeah. And so, no, I knew it wasn't like a gotcha thing. Yeah. And the way you phrase it is not like a gotcha thing. I'm glad I got there. Cause I really, when you asked me that question, I was like, Oh fuck, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think probably people. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how many people that are super close to me know how self-conscious I am. Well, uh, the p- people closest to us is usually, um, I don't know. It, there's a couple, couple ways you can go, I guess, but. Yeah, I mean, but I also just, like, I have I have days, and I don't know if everybody feels this way. Like, I have days that I feel like all my friends hate me. Yeah. Which true. which is so funny, because I was thinking about, as I was pulling into the parking lot, because I kind of knew where some of these questions would go. Um, but I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about, like, one thing that uh, uh, people that I've dated, uh, that they've always noted early on into dating me, is they're just like, wow, your friends really love you. Um, and I don't, and I mean that like as a big ups to my friends, uh, is like, but like, it's been like a thing of note amongst multiple people when they've been getting to know my friends. They're just like, wow, you're really, you're really a lucky guy. Your friends really love you. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I do, I do feel very loved by my friends, but I just, I do, I have this voice in the back of my head that's just like always trying to knock me down. Um, and it's something I've gotten better at fighting as I'm older, but I'm still constantly fighting it. And so there are days where I'm like hanging out with like people, people who who have said that I'm like one of their favorite people in the world, and like that one of the people that they love the most in the world. And I'm like, oh, I feel like none of you like me today. And it's and it's not. It's never when I'm like being an idiot and having you know too many beers at the speakeasy and then going to the high low and getting a burrito at two <laughs> o'clock at, at like one forty in the morning and 
getting opening a second tab when I already have a tab open and coming back with a happy meal when I have a full happy meal sitting at the bar. It's like, <laughs> no, it's like we're eating lunch at the press at like three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. I'm just like, all oh, my friends hate me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. I'm pretty sure they all hate me and they just wish this this lunch would be better if I wasn't here. Yeah, they they invited me to lunch because they hate me. I yeah, yeah. I think that all mm-hmm, the, like absolutely this person texts me, but eh, they probably don't really. It's like imposter me. syndrome. It's like why would they possibly not like you? You know, like yeah. you think about it later, and you're like, why was I even thinking that? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I have a terrible case of imposter syndrome too. Like I thought I thought people, um, when when some Jay was at its most popular, and like we could headline Blue Note, and there'd be a line around the block. Like I thought. Somebody was pulling some sort of. Like, I thought this was a joke. Like yeah. that every. Like, what's how fucking ridiculous is that? <laughs> Who is going to spend their Saturday night <laughs> paying a cover <laughs> and wait? Like when you for break the, it down to the like the actual the actuality of it. So what I'm saying is that upwards of 300 people. I'm not friends with 300 people. <laughs> Like legitimate friends with people, but have all decided they've all conspired together oh, get this guy and so decide good. we're gonna keep doing it though. <laughs> we're gonna keep doing it, and we're gonna keep. But man, we fucking hate him, and we're gonna pull the curtain back I one day. We're gonna get him, but so we're good. gonna still keep paying the same yeah. goddamn five dollar cover, we're long con and, and showing up on Saturday nights to something that we don't <laughs> be. So how much more like egotistical and narcissistic is it to think that way too, that like people dislike you enough that that's how they would choose to spend your time. Like that I'm that important. See, I think that all the time, like that's the, the heart of it is that you're thinking it's like, you feel like initially you feel like you're empathizing because you feel like you're saying, Oh, this is probably what this person feels, mm-hmm. but really, or what, oh, they're just that? being nice or they're after me or whatever. Yeah. But when you do that, what you're doing is making yourself the focus. Mm-hmm, like absolutely. they're doing that to me. Like they're planning that against me. There are less than 10 people who think about me that much. There, and, and probably any person ever. There are probably less than 10 people that think about any non-famous individual. Like a person that they've actually met in the flesh and interact with on a regular basis. Um so yeah, no, it's so it's so self-centered and narcissistic. And I think it's it's as narcissistic as thinking like everybody loves me. I'm hot shit. It's like the other side of that coin. Yeah, it's it's no, it's the exact flip side of yeah. the of the coin and it's but no, it's but you're you're hitting the nail on the head. It's based in a place of like self-centeredness and narcissism. But I'm also a firm believer that anybody who gets up on a stage uh and is like expecting people to pay money to see them and then clap when they're done. Uh, you have to have a certain level of narcissism to enjoy performing in front of people. Right. And to think that you deserve that amount of attention. I heard Kevin Devine say something brilliant about this. Uh, I already know it's going to be good based on who it is. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I think he thinks about things through a specific lens because he's in recovery. And I think he was talking about, like, substance abuse and poor behavior just in general amongst musicians. And he was just like, who else, like, has a job where, like, it's expected that people clap when you finish a part of your job? And every time you finish a part of your job, people are supposed to clap. And then you go on your 15, and the reason that you come back from your 15 is because people are clapping and chanting that they want more. Man. And it was, I was like, I was like, fuck, man, that is a, that's a very, very, uh, good point but like of course back when there were rock stars 
more rock stars than the Kings of Leon and the Foo Fighters. Like, of course, all of those guys were behaving poorly and demanding green M&Ms. The crazy Sorted. (laughs) I mean, like, some of that stuff is just so that, like, management wants to know the venue is paying attention. But, like, the Van Halen guys would flip out about some of that shit. And it is because, like, you go on your 15, you get to drink at work. Drinking and doing drugs at work is encouraged. You expect people to clap every time you finish a process of your job. Like, have you ever had a data entry job? Yeah. I feel, yeah. And so I've had a, a data entry come out to a job I've had before. Imagine every time you finish that process, <laughs> the people clapped <laughs> and cheered and fawned they over tell you. tell you how great you are. And that people were chanting the information that you were entering <laughs> as you were entering it. See, it does sound crazy. Imagine if you had hundreds or uh, 500 or 1,000 people watching you and doing that and knew the name of every person you were entering into that computer and had tattoos of those names on their arms. And then you go on your 15, and the only reason you come back from your 15 is because you were they were begging you to come back. And while you were on your 15, you were drinking and doing drugs. That's insane. <laughs> That's an insane work environment. If you put it on any other job, it just sounds outrageous. But yeah, but it, it, that is what we expect of our musicians. That's true. With any more, they've been commodified, though, for sure. Like, I think of, like, people right now, like, um, like Billie Eilish. People are, like, dunking on her pretty hard. Like, And I don't listen to her music that Are much. they? Yeah, like, um, a lot of people online were, like... Um, I saw I follow a couple like Consequence of Sound and stuff like some accounts that talk about music mm-hmm. and they're talking about her new album like she's gearing up for her new album and like talking a little bit about it you know and what are they dunking on her about well it was just like uh basically just saying that she's irrelevant now because they're trying to move on to the next thing so like all the comments were like shitting on her like who cares it seems to me like, like her dude. core base of fans are still pretty fucking into it oh yeah like the core fans for sure but i'm saying like and i'm saying when you're that level of pop star that's a lot of fucking people that is a lot like if the, it's you're calling her irrelevant what the fuck does that mean i know the fuck does that mean but it's just the mindset of like that this is a product that i can be done with and they forget that it's a person you know yeah but i think that if she and her brother stay together I've, i'm not crazy familiar with her music but i know that like I don't know what that looks like, what their writing situation looks like, but it seems to me like they're a pretty big team. And yeah, he wants to be Pharrell, that it's suited exactly. to, to borrow. Like, he's Pharrell and she's Jay-Z. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's he's exactly probably going to have some singles at some point. Yeah, he he does have his own music. Yeah, yeah, but, like, it's it's a very Pharrell and Jay-Z That's exactly a good parallel. situation. Yeah. I don't know a ton of her music, and it's not for me. But what I've heard, I like like "Bad Guy" is such a great song. Like, Catchy as fuck. I've heard people dunk on it for being just like the. That shit gets stuck in your head, though. Yeah, it's super fucking simple, but that's what pop music is. And guess what? You didn't fucking write it. Like I didn't write <laughs> that. I uh, I was watching. I've been watching this documentary series. It's like a short, unlimited series, and it's uh Paul McCartney talking to Rick Rubin. Mm-hmm. And um, how do how do we feel about this? What do you mean? 
Uh, Paul McCartney talking to Rick Rubin. How do you feel about it? Are you enjoying it? It's pretty interesting. I, I I like the Beatles, so I don't know if you don't like the Beatles or. I've been on record as saying that I don't like the Beatles. Uh, um, I've started trying to re-listen to their catalog with a fresh set of ears. Because um, I think I was maybe, I can be a bit of a contrarian. Yeah. Um, and so I think I may have just been dunking on the Beatles because I'm an asshole. You like, wanted to be cool. <laughs> yeah. And um, sometimes we need to reevaluate long else like i thought i was so cool because when i was about 18 i started saying my answer to beatles stones is ccr wow but like here's the deal i love the pixies and if you love the pixies you pick up on the fact that the pixies are very very influenced by the rolling stones it is irrefutable and i will fight anybody <laughs> who says any different i i challenge you to listen to hey um and uh i can't remember the name of the song but again songs with prominent saxophone that ooh, 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 ooh. we got a bunch of girls just dying to meet ya <laughs> i'm gonna say it black francis aped some stones on hay and it's one of my favorite pixie songs but like he aped the stones a little bit <laughs> but no, so like, my favorite answer to influence. that question yeah is i would just be like beetle stones credence wow <laughs> You're so you're so cultured, bro. God, I'm so edgy. I'm so edgy. Um, I think I'm more of an edge lord than I care to admit, and I fucking hate edge lords. God damn it! It's an Ouroboros situation. It's the snake eating its own tail. Um, but no, I think fuck that shit. Billie Eilish is great. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Um, in that documentary I'm watching, uh, Rick Rubin says something to him to Paul McCartney about like. Um, this is so simple, but it's memorable. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, that's why it's simple. He's like, at that time, we couldn't just record easily. He's like, we had to make our stuff easy because we wanted to remember it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's so utilitarian to me, but it's pretty funny to like think of music that way. No, you got to think like the, the biggest pop songs are really simple. It's, it's, but it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that. Well, Weezer, Weezer makes it look really easy. Yeah. On the on the good albums, <laughs> they have like the. Um, I th you know honestly I think if he was just able to write some normal fucking lyrics, everybody would love that band. I he, think that's his biggest problem is he's not a he's not a great lyricist. He never was really. Did you listen to Finding Emo's episode on Pinkerton? Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, I love that album. You like that album? I was gonna ask you. Yeah, I actually. Uh, I don't lock, stock, and barrel agree with what was said on that episode about cancel culture and stuff like that. But I think, yeah, it's pretty fucking poignant to point out that one, tastes were different at that point. Two, the the gal that everybody complains about him fetishizing uh, gets points on that song because he wrote it off of her letter. That's pretty rad, actually. I thought that part was awesome. Yeah. Um, and three, it's based on Madame Butterfly, which is a cringy fucking opera. It is a cringy fucking opera. It was like Pinkerton's the bad guy in there or something? Yeah, he's he's the pro he's the protagonist antagonist. He's like yeah, he's yeah, he's not a good man. The anti-hero. Cuz it's all it's mostly I don't even know if it's an anti-hero. What do they call that? There's a name for that. No, I mean the literary device is an anti-hero, but I think it, I think somebody on that podcast said antagonist, but I mean he is the he and uh uh the gal that he met while he was overseas uh, are the two main characters. 
Yeah, no, I really like that album. And I've argued with one of my, with a really good friend of mine who's a little bit more, I'm pretty far off to the left, but he's more off to the left than I am. Um, and we've argued about it. And I'm like, you can't, you can't judge pieces of art that were made based on today's time. No, I mean, there's today's standards. There, there's one. Now, there's one thing. David Allen Coe's racist songs were always fucking racist, and they weren't right back then, and they aren't right now. And there were people back then saying, like, God, this guy's a fucking racist. But this is when you're getting into nuance and stuff like that. I, I, I think there's some room there. I hope I'm not getting myself into trouble right now. <laughs> I d- man, I don't. I'm going to get canceled. You never know. I'm going to get canceled eventually. Well, you're a white guy, so you're going to get canceled. Ah, nah, I don't like saying that. I don't <laughs> like playing that card. The people are not mean to white men. I'm glad I'm on that record like the... saying that. Nobody. <laughs> That's the. Uh... As much as I love Tucker Carlson and Swanson Frozen Dinners. Did I tell That's you? A, did I tell you that the other night yeah. that he's the heir to the uh, yeah. to the Swanson frozen we were, food? We were talking about that though, because it was like, uh, what was the other thing we were saying? Um, like it's just a matter of time. We, it was like meta, like we're, we're like bullshitting about if you're a white guy, you're gonna get canceled. And then it was like, oh, the other thing we we're saying with uh, uh, people always say, but it's just like so cringy is um. You can't say anything anymore. Man, you just can't say anything <laughs> anymore. Like, you can't say You never should. No, I like him because he's honest. Yeah. I like him because he's honest. Exactly. No, that's that's a dog whistle for, I'm a racist too. Yeah. Anyway, what I was meaning was <laughs> I wasn't meaning like, you're going to get canceled because you're white. We were, t- we were like being self-referential the other day talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dunking no, on, I uh, mean. Dunking on people that say that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't actually think I'm ever going to. I don't think I've ever done anything that's cancelable. Cancelable? Yeah, I don't think so. Man, the um, you just made, got me thinking about Weezer now. And then yeah, I ju- no, but I think that's the biggest downfall of that band is he's just not a particularly good lyricist and never has been. Yeah. He got lucky. It's like a lot of his nonsense, but. Think about the sweater song. Like, that is utter fucking nonsense. <laughs> it's utter fucking nonsense. Um. Billy Holly, like that's oh, kind of cringy Holly. rap lyrics. <laughs> like when you really think about it, Troublemaker. Um, that's it, it, just kind of as like weird white dude kind of writing rap lyrics. Like the opening line <laughs> to Buddy Holly is, "What's with these homies dissing my girl? Why do they got a front?" I never thought about that. What white guy in 1993 <laughs> is saying that? None. Rivers, Rivers Cuomo. No one. Rivers Cuomo in 1993. What's with these homies dissing my girl? Why do they got a front? Rivers is one of the coolest people of all time. I thought you knew that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's definitely what I would think about a, uh, oh, crap, oboe player who went to Harvard. Yeah. Because being, <laughs> being famous was too hard. The uh... <laughs> I'm such an asshole. <laughs> I'm sure being famous is incredibly difficult. It sounds very unappealing to me. It sounds awful. Yeah, yeah. I would never want to be famous. Yeah, that sounds terrible, man. Um, I want like a thou- I want a, I want a thousand people to come to my shows and for me to be able to make like six figures playing music, hawking t-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gotta have good merch. Uh, the uh, thing that always kills me about we well, not kills me, but one of the things that just always makes me laugh is when the uh, the solo matches the melody line of the. See, I don't mind that as a device. I don't. 
it's just like I when I but when I noticed it, I can't help but notice it now. I can't tell if I can hear the music from outside <laughs> through the mics or if it's in my headphones. That's what, and yeah. that's why I was gesturing to you. I'm Nobody like, could see that, but I was like gesturing like is that in is that in our camps or is that just outside? So yeah, I can never quite tell. It's okay. It's, I'm I'm gonna feel real cool about it because we've been talking about me as an artist for an hour and I'm and and there's music in the background, so it makes me sound like I'm a big shot and like you're interviewing <laughs> me in a green room. Yeah, man. We're here with Matt I've been, right before his big show. I've been in a green room like three times in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I've played hundreds and hundreds of shows and I've been in a green room like three times. Green room, I will say the green room at the Lovely Tower Theater is the nicest green room I've it ever is been in. Super nice. And room. I made one of the best puns I've ever made. Or no, I had one of the best puns uh, made. Did I make it? I can't remember. It was Roman. I was standing there talking to you. I was very, very drunk. And I, I think it, he was like, wow, dude. I was like, and I think it just, yeah, I really went ham on that deli tray. Wow. <laughs> Roman Wilkins? Yeah. Yeah. He was, it was just here recording. Is he the one who brought you the he, yeah, he, toy? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know him super well, but every interaction I've ever had with him has been uh, resoundingly positive. He's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I met him through Josh. We know, we, he and I know a shitload of the same people. Yeah. It was when I opened up for, uh, Red City and Minutes Too Far randomly down there. Oh yeah. Cause Mike. Mike Kennedy um, produced Red City. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he produced one of the records. Yeah, he does a ton of, like, punk rock stuff. He's a nice guy. I I've, I I know that I've met him in passing, but I don't think we've ever said more than five words to each other. Yeah. Like, yeah, another person who, like, really funny. knows a ton of people. That, I really liked your episode with him. Yeah, he was he was nice. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I've never heard a bad thing about that dude. He, like, is a smiley guy, though. Was this mm -hmm. thing, like, you can't put a smile because he's smiling the whole time you talk to him. I love people like that. I love people that are like that, and I love people that their laugh makes you laugh. Yes. Yeah, I, I totally Someone agree. with a good laugh, always, that always gets me. I don't know if I have a good one. I have a loud one. <laughs> I remember you said you were going to have to yeah, yeah. go off mic. I haven't had to yet, so it's been <laughs> nice. I, like, I remember I was seeing across the universe when I was in high school, and I, like, something got my goose. And I let out a very loud laugh. And someone who I was not with the group of people I was seeing the movie with were like, are you at AMC Quail in this theater? Oh, my watching, God. Watching uh, Across the Universe? Because I'm pretty sure I just heard you laugh. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, Your laugh is I iconic, have, dude. I have a very recognizable laugh. <laughs> I, it, and, 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 like, my voice is pretty... Uh, I'm, I'm I'm using my NPR voice for this, but <laughs> it's I, very ASMR. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, you cannot be full tilt bar volume me on a podcast. That's a really good way to get nobody to listen to your podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, because I mean I'm loud. I I hear like shit. I heard like shit before I started playing in basements without hearing protection, and now I really hear like shit. Jeez. And so that's part of the reason I'm so loud. And I just have a voice that's willing to project that much and right. not go out on me. <laughs> God, which is proof that there is not a just and loving God to anybody around it who has to be around me, especially once you get a couple of Jamesons like, in me. Just like, God, this motherfucker Jesus. is loud. Yeah, somebody <laughs> somebody at brunch on Sunday was just like, Matt, you don't have to yell all the time. I have a friend like that. I'm yeah. Like, Listen, it's a, that, you're it's, up there. That's bring a, it down. Yeah, that's a, Matt, you're at a 10. We need you at about a three <laughs> and a it, half. Yeah, bring it down some DBs. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm violating city ordinances all over the place. <laughs> If I've got my earbuds in and I'm singing along mowing the lawn, I'm drowning the lawnmower out. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I'm I'm loud. Matt, I want to ask you one last question as we wrap up. Perfect. 
um, whenever you're gone from this earth, what do you want people to remember about you? Uh, I hope that I was able to to make, uh, you know, some days being around uh, can be pretty fucking unbearable. Um, and so I hope that the people that are close to me and the people that I loved uh, felt like uh, me being around made it on those days a little bit more bearable. That's a good one. Yeah, I've I've I'm I'm lucky to be working my way to the other side, but I had a long I spent I spent a really long time uh not having a whole lot of fun on that on that front and having more of those days than I should because I wasn't willing to do the things that I should do to not be having those kinds of days, but I empathize with people pretty hard when they're having those days and so I just my hope is is that I'm being a good enough person and doing enough good shit to make those days a little bit easier for him. That's um it's a great quality to friend. So, well, I'm really lucky. I've got really good friends. Thanks, Harold. This has been really fun. <laughs> he doesn't say. I hope that wasn't too much of a downer. No, no. I think I, 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 I think I always just even though like I'm jovial and make it laugh. You ask me a serious question, I'm probably gonna give a sad answer. Yeah, I'm a sad clown. Same. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to be a sad boy. I spent too much time being a sad boy. And sad boys are insufferable, but I, I'm, <laughs> I think I always am going to kind of have that. Cause like I'm a big questions dude. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't do simple answers to big questions. And so because of that, like, I think I see the heaviness and the sadness in a lot of things. Or like the, if you're like me, you like look at any situation and you find like the worst possible thing that could happen and you can't stop thinking about that thing. Yeah. I had that today. Yeah. You're always just like. I don't know. There's just something in your brain that just is like, what if this went horribly wrong? Yeah, no, it's never what's, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that my therapist told me that I needed to do was uh, instead of always asking what could go wrong, start asking yourself what could go right. Yeah, that is a great way to to battle that for sure. Yeah, and so I think I do that more uh, like when I look back on things now that didn't that didn't turn out the way I wanted them to turn out instead of being like, well, this went wrong and this went wrong and this, well, what went right? What was good about that? Right. It's reframing it. Not old, like, find one, you know, your mom would say, like, what the, one good thing had to have happened today if your day was so terrible. Tell <laughs> me the one good thing. was awful. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Alexander and I had the no good, very bad, rotten day. <laughs> I do, um, that's something I try to be very conscious of is that, I don't know, I get bummed if I, like, let something small get to me and when I've been having a good day and then I... I don't know. It's hard for me to say that I had a bad day any day because I'm like, it wasn't really a bad day. It's just like one thing happened that kind of bummed me out for a few minutes. Like, are you are you the person that, that you'll let that spoil your day? I try not to be, but I'm definitely like I'm someone that takes I internalize things really bad, and I take things really personal when I shouldn't. So, uh, sorry, I'm on call twenty four seven right now, and I couldn't okay. tell if my personal phone or my work phone. You were like, like lit up, and so I was just like, <laughs> did I just not hear it because there's music in the background and I have my cans on? And That's okay. Does somebody need their fiber lines yeah. located? <laughs> somebody get my cape. Where's our fiber? Honey, grab my super suit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I think it was my personal phone. Yeah. This has been fun, man. This is uh, good. I don't, I don't feel like I talked about myself like an asshole. <laughs> 
What you get? No, we were talking about like being self conscious and like dreading stuff. Yeah. Like I, 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 I can, t- I can tell dumb, funny stories about my life all day, but like talking serious shit about myself, I'm not so good at. Yeah. So uh-huh. no, this was fun. You're, I, I said it before we started, but I'm genuinely, you're a very good interviewer. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. You want to grab a beer downstairs? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, we're gonna sign off, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, real quick, why don't you tell people where they can find your music and such? I mean, it's Spotify, but tell people the I'm band not name on Spotify <laughs> or not Spotify. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm on Bandcamp. Uh, the only uh, the, uh, I have my old band has a record at uh, shutupmattjewett.bandcamp.com. Um, yeah, I have a solo record live at the Speakeasy that 100% of the proceeds go to support my favorite local charity, CSU Youth, which is a charity uh, for homeless LGBT with a focus on LGBTQ plus youth. Um, and 100% of every album that is sold. Of that goes directly to them. James Nim cuts the checks or sends yep. the Venmo, however the kids are doing it these days. And that is at uh, robotsavecity.bandcamp.com. Thank you for having me, Harold. <laughs> it's always a other. pleasure. Yeah, man. Um, as always, you guys know where to find us. Social media, Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-S slash T-O-O-N-S. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. I'm going to get a beer with Matt Jewett now. Ha, 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 ha.